Kyle Isbell never gets to play because he winked at Matheny's sister or something, you know, like, like, you know, like <laughs> sister's got to be like 20 years older than him. Like, hey, you know, anyway. Isbell, you know, oh, he, Isbell. you know, you he's know taking Isbell. some stuff, you know, he, you know he got some going. dog in him. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, yeah. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, the sixth, one-sixth of the original lineup of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, my brother Mike. I have literally no idea what that is. Is that a band? You don't know what King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard is? That a band? Yes, it's a band. Okay, all right, cool. Yes. Are they good? It's got one of the best band names in the world. I don't know. I've never heard their music. Nothing goes nothing beyond the band is name. Legendary. <laughs> oh, what do you need more than a name? When you have a name like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, it doesn't even matter what your music sounds like. <laughs> People will show up just for the name. Hey, good for them, man. Oh. I've heard great album names yeah. before, but I've never heard that kind of a band and just straight band name before good for them oh sometimes i try and think of like what are the best band names of all time and they're all bands i've never even listened to their music so you know it doesn't matter it's all about it's all about optics at this point on this week's episode we'll break down what was an average week for the fight in kansas city royals i'd say they they won some they lost some there was ups and there was downs it was a wild week but you know only mostly today when they scored 15 runs that was the only real wild day i will also answer your questions as part of our second ever mailbag listener mailbag episode we don't do these very often mostly because it takes work to like solicit questions and like put stuff out there all the time and i am very lazy and mike is even lazier so you know who knows uh if we're gonna ever do that again but we do have our second ever listener mailbag so we'll take a look at some of your questions the weekly weirdos run the show this week uh we'll also preview this week's slate of games as we always do so we're sure we'll crack a few jokes at times and all that sort of thing but first a reminder we have to remind you go out right now subscribe rate and most importantly review this podcast on apple podcasts i don't think you can review on spotify but you can rate us leave us a comment on youtube do all those sorts of things those are the sorts of things that move us up the algorithm they get more people listening to royals weekly and that's what we're really looking for we need more people listening to this show at all times how are we going to start a cult eventually if we don't have more followers that's my question we want to recruit you, know, you. they tell you to hate the sun you hate the sun <laughs> You know, come That's on, right. guys, help us out here. We are here to recruit you. Uh, but no, seriously, <laughs> go out there, help us out, review our episodes, review our, our, our show. It means a lot to us. We love we love just hearing from you anyway. So that's a lot of fun for us. So put out a crazy review and we'll uh, we'll be very happy about it. Give us five stars or a thumbs up or whatever, whatever you can do for us. We'd be really appreciated. But uh, now, hey, let's get to some baseball. We're going to start the baseball with roster news, as we always do. And the big roster news of this week was that the Royals brought up a prospect a lot of people are very excited about, very interested in. They traded for him just this year. They brought up Drew Waters this week. I was really surprised about it. I thought they would leave him in AAA for the rest of the year because he struggled mightily before coming to the Royals this year, but he has been playing really well since he got here. Strikeout rate was still really high in AAA, something like 30%, close to it anyway. And so you wonder, what's that going to translate into the major leagues? He's done okay so far, looks really good in the outfield, has been hit or miss a little bit at the plate, but has come up with some big hits. Like, what do you think about the move to bring Drew Waters up now instead of waiting, say, until the beginning of next year? I was against it. I would have left him down there for the rest of this year as well, because the amount of time this year that he has experienced success is much less than the time that he has struggled. And so I would have liked to have seen him build confidence, see more AAA pitching to maybe reduce that strikeout rate a little bit to hone in that approach. But it's been exciting to watch him at times. Today was a really good day for him. Um, but other than, you know, the, he'll have days when he's striking out, swinging at stuff that you really don't want him to. Like, you got to say, like, okay, the at-bat he took was just a triple-A at-bat, you know, and he you know needs to be taking major league at-bats at this point. So I'm a little bit surprised that they brought him up this early, and I'm a little bit against that. But – they, they may have the approach of like, if he's going to be getting meaningful at bats, let's make them the ones that we want him to be facing long-term, if that makes sense. So if long-term our plan is for him to play in major league baseball and we don't really, and we have the opportunity to play him now, at least he's not up here sitting on a bench, you know, a la, a la Kyle Isbell, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, who sits so, on the bench a little too much for my liking. But yeah. yeah. So at least they're playing him, right? So maybe they're thinking, hey, we want him to get his seasoning at the major league level, and this is the kind of season you do that for guys like that. But I think he could have really benefited for another half a year in AAA. 
the Royals seem to have like this philosophy that if your overall numbers are good, they're going to bring you to a level where that level is going to test you. Even if your secondary numbers aren't good, they're still going to promote you. And so that seems to be what they're doing with Drew Waters. It's like his overall numbers in Omaha were good. You know, he's having a high batting average, high on base, high slugging. His batting average on balls in play was really high, which indicated a lot of good fortune or that he was, you know, hitting the ball hard or both, you know, but the strikeout rate was still really high, higher than you would want from a guy going to AAA to the majors. It seems like, yeah, that they think that he'll do the rest of that development in the major league base in major league baseball. You know that pitchers there have better stuff. You know, they have better command. You know that they're going to exploit a weak approach if he has one. And so hopefully Drew, uh, not Drew Saylor, but Alex Sumwalt can get him, you know, continuing down the path that he's been on in Omaha, which is swinging at premium pitches, making sure he's not striking out too much. Yeah, if he's in the high 20s, it won't kill him to be in the high 20s as a strikeout rate, but you can't be 35% and be not a slugger. And he's not going to be a slugger. He'll hit for some power, but he cannot strike out at 35% at the major league level. It's just not going to work out for him. So hopefully he can sort of do that development at the major league level because it looks like that's their plan for him. You're getting a look to see like what the outfield of the future is going to be for the Royals, though. I mean, it's, it's Drew Waters. It's hopefully Kyle Isbell. Maybe it's, you know, some other guys rotating in or Edward Olivares when he gets back. You know, so the, it's starting to look like the pieces are going to be in place and you're getting a preview of what that's going to look like. MJ Melendez will probably be in the outfield quite a bit. Maybe Nick Prado sometimes when Vinny Pascantino comes back and that sort of thing. So the outfield looks like this is the outfield of the future, at least once we get all the pieces in place off injury and that sort of thing. So that's interesting to see. In the outfield, they made room for him by sending down Nate Eaton. He got sent down back to AAA. Some people weren't too happy about that because they thought it was just a matter of time before he started hitting again. Plus, he's played really well defensively at the major league level, and so they wanted to keep seeing that. But for now, he's going to have to take his lumps in AAA again. Uh, we'll see if he gets a chance. I'm sure he'll get more chances at the major league level, and of course he'll get a chance to win a winner job in spring training and that sort of thing. But we'll see on, on Nate Eaton moving forward. Um in very sad news, Vinny Pascantino went on the 10-day injured list with a right shoulder issue, uh, some right, a right shoulder injury he had. He got while swinging. It's not great because we'd love to see Vinny in the lineup. He was hitting pretty well there for a while. He was the driver of their offense there, and they've struggled since he went out. But he is, unfortunately, on the 10-day IL. Hopefully, he comes back soon. An IL stint as well for Zach Greinke. He got put on the 15-day IL with forearm tightness. That's always a dangerous one because sometimes that's the precursor to things like a UCL injury that requires Tommy John. He's 38, 39 years old. So I don't think he's probably ever coming back if it is a Tommy John situation, but hopefully it's just a little tightness. He's comes back and he's fine. We'll see if he's going to end up coming back next year anyway. And then uh, an IL stint. I think we were all just waiting to happen. I mean, we were all expecting it. Josh Stamont went on the 15 day injured list with a, with right bicep tendonitis. He has looked bad for quite a while at the very least extremely inconsistent it's good to see yeah, him get on the aisle and hopefully he can get ready he'll have one appearance where he looks like old josh Stamont. then he's got five where he looks like some guy you've never seen before and i really wonder what they were doing because they let him throw 42 pitches that day before he went on the il and i'm wondering if they didn't go he's going on the il either way let's just throw him out there or josh like we know you're not feeling right or whatever. We're going to go out there and we're going to throw you a bunch tonight and just see what little, happens. And a little conspiracy theory in here. I like it. Gets your tinfoil just, hats I, I out, people. It's the most pitches he's ever thrown in the game. And nobody will ever go, well, you know what Josh Stallman is? Uh, a multi-inning reliever. No, nobody, nobody's ever said that. Everybody with eyes was like, clearly this guy is hurt. Okay. Like everybody yeah. with eyes could see it. He's going, Josh Stallman is throwing 93 miles an hour. It was so clear to everyone that he was not right. And yet they just kept, they send him back out there to keep throwing and throwing and throwing. I don't know why they did it. 42 pitches. I don't know why. I have no clue why they made that decision, but this is where we are now. He's on the 15 day injured list. I have doubts as to whether or not he's, he hasn't looked the same ever since he got COVID. I have doubts as to whether or not he'll ever be back to those levels. We'll see. He's a reliever. That's very volatile, but hopefully he can bounce back and just be strong for the rest of the season and build some momentum going into next year. Uh, the week as a whole was decent for the Royals. I, it was weird. I was surprised when I went back and just like, I, I kind of forget games all the time, even though I watch all of them, I kind of forget what happened in the outcome and stuff like that. And so I go back every week and I'm like, all right, what was the record for the week? I expected it to be pretty bad. I went back and I was like, Oh no, they went three and three this week. Like just a normal 500 team. Like they've been for a lot of those stretches this week. And so they went three and three this week. That brings their overall record to 52 and 77. 
They faced some de- decent pitching this week. They had a weird week because they played that one game against the White Sox and then two mm-hmm. uh, two-gamer against Arizona, a day off, and then a three-gamer against San Diego. So it was a real weird week for them. Facing the NL West, having the one-game series and all that stuff. They faced some good pitchers and got wins against them. Wins against Michael Kopech, Zach Gallen, and Sean Manaya uh, this week. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, if you had those three guys in your rotation, you'd be like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Michael Kopech then I think just went on the IL immediately. He was out of the, he was out of the game. Like, oh yeah. He was out. Remember he was remember hurt. You and I he were talking hurt. about how Dylan Cease should, was, they thought we thought right. Dylan Cease would make that start. And then right. he went, I think it went an inning and a third against the Royals. I don't even, did he even make it a full inning? I thought he just, I like thought a batter, he did, but yeah, I can't not remember, a batter, but, but just like only got like one out. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he just, he was out almost immediately in that game because he was clearly hurt. Uh, but then they, they, they battled Gallon. I went to that game. That was a great game. Uh, they battled, Singer pitched great. They scratched a couple against Gallon or maybe just one, but then they really tore up that, that bullpen. So that was cool to see. And then they just lit Manaya in that uh, uh, Padres bullpen up today. Um, injuries and ineffectiveness. It's real. They're still hampering the both offense and the pitching. It's all up and down, right? Now. I'm doing this cause it's real volatile right now. It's just, but it all, all the volatility adds up to about 500, right? Yeah. And that's what young teams are. They're volatile. They score 15 runs one day and then they get blank for three. It's, it's how it goes. And you know, when you have a rotation like we have consistency is always going to be a big struggle right now. We're getting consistency from exactly one pitcher. So that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. We did see strong performers, and that one pitcher was one of them. Mike, tell us about Brady Singer and his strong performance this week. I got to see it in person, but you're going to talk about it here for us today. Yeah, I mean, it was it was what he's been for the last two months. It was Brady Singer going out there, giving you seven innings. He got he gave up one solo home run, four hits, six Ks in that time. In that you know, in that outing, it was it was what Brady Singer can be through the changeup a little more this time. Yeah than what we've seen uh, recently, which is good to see the, the advent of him throwing that back door two seamer and the front side two seamer to lefties. I mean, in his ability to locate it, it's just unbelievable. So I can't went ahead and grab some season numbers for this too. I know when we do our strong performance, it's just by the week. He had a really strong week with only one outing, but for the season, 117 innings pitched already, which is pretty good. Even then, that includes Real good, time. considering he didn't start as a starter. This he was down in AAA for a while. Yeah, you know, like, so he was in. He was like in the bullpen for a week, and then went to AAA. So, yeah, 117 innings, pretty damn good so far. 3.15 ERA, 120 strikeouts. That means more strikeouts than innings pitched, and to just 29 walks. Guys, that is about what you can. If you can count on that for your number one, you're just you're looking pretty good. That's solid, and so. I'm I'm really excited about the maturation of Brady Singer. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on as well. Yeah, Singer is the only guy you can really rely on right now. I feel great because they got a win today, and then he's got the next start in the next game they play. They'll have an off day Monday, and then Singer comes out for their first game of that White Sox series. You feel like you can get two games in a row because his mm-hmm. starts start to feel like they really got a chance today. It doesn't matter if they can't score six. They probably only need to score three or four today, you know, like, and so, you know, I love what Brady Singer is doing. It really just validates and it makes that draft look a lot better. It makes that pick look a lot better. Um, so I really like that. Yeah. The only weird thing is Singer has faced the White Sox a lot recently. So sometimes that can be a little tough for a pitcher. Um, but if, I mean, heck, if he's done what he to if he does what to them this time, what he's done those last couple of times is going to get ugly again. <laughs> 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 Let's hope crush cross him up there for that. My strong yeah. performer for the week is another young player. We're excited about. I chose Bobby Witt jr. As my strong performer. He had a rough day today. I think he went over four or over five. I can't remember exactly. Um, but up to the today, he, he played really well. He really, you know, was the only guy hitting in some ways, a bunch of guys went off today. And so the numbers look like, wow, they all had good weeks. They just had good days today because yeah. they scored looking at runs you today. Dozier. So, all right. Looking at Salvador <laughs> Perez, looking at Dozier. There are guys who just went off today. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr. Had a pretty decent week leading up to today. He was seven for 25, two home runs, one triple, three stolen bases, one walk, three strikeouts. It looks like he's now over that hamstring injury and over the sort of uh, time it took to get his timing back off of that. And so that's really good. He's the guy we're all excited to see, excited to see grow his, uh, his profile and his numbers and continue to do really well throughout the rest of this year. I think he can, I don't, he's not going to win AL rookie of the year. I don't think, I think that that's going to be sewn up by guys like uh, Julio Rodriguez and things like that. But 
looking like he can be a real valuable player for us moving forward. Hopefully he tightens up some of the defensive issues, but I think he's really got something going offensively. Now he's sort of picking things up and learning things for weak performers this week. There were quite a few of them. So we had, we had some options. We still chose two hitters because apparently Chris Bubich, we didn't want to hurt his feelings. He, he pitched really yeah. bad the other day, but Mike, go ahead and tell us somebody who's slumping a little bit after being really hot to start his career. Yeah. Michael Massey hasn't done so well uh, at the plate this week, two for 15, seven strikeouts and zero walks. So if you want to see like, Hey, what's Michael Massey when he's not going right, what's it going to look like? It's going to look like zero walks and it's going to basically look like he's not putting the ball in play enough. He's not making enough contact. So uh, I don't, I'm not worried about Michael Massey right now. I think he's got a good track record in the minor leagues. I think he does have, when he's going right, he has a pretty solid approach. And so I'm not too worried about Michael Massey. Plus he's still going to give you a gold glove, glove level at second base. So no worries, Michael Massey, you'll, you'll get it back, buddy. Yeah. This is the, uh, the path of a young hitter. You come up to the majors, even if you're hot right away, eventually they figure you out. They start doing some stuff. You slump a little bit, you know, it all sort of works together. Nick Prado is going through the same thing right now. Vinny Pascantino went through it for a little bit, you know, like they all go through it and, and this is the time for them to work that out. Massey is a little bit more of an aggressive guy. He's not, he doesn't have the approach of a Vinny Pasquantino. He swings a little bit more. He just makes quite a bit of contact. So he's not going to have huge walk numbers, but you can't be zero walks in a week and seven strikeouts. That's not, that's, that's not a formula for success in most weeks. Uh, another guy who sort of struggled this week and they gave him the day off today. I bet he's just kicking, kicking the ground that he didn't get a chance to get in there and hit today <laughs> when everybody was teeing off because uh, you know, he would have, he could have used a bounce back. That was MJ Melendez. He's uh two for 15 this week with zero home runs, five walks and five strikeouts. So he did walk a little bit, which is nice to see. Hopefully that means it's just like some bad luck, some balls in play that aren't falling for him. But you know, again, not worried about him at all. I, I like to see him work more in the outfield. I'm the, I'm of the mind that's like he doesn't need to be catching. Some people think he needs to be catching all the time for the rest of the season so that he can work on catching. I'm not of that mind. I'm of the mind that he needs to be playing in the outfield quite a bit and catching maybe two days a week to work on catching, and then he can work on it more in the off season. I just I'm not willing to put him back there and have our pitcher suffer as he like can't block balls or can't catch them, has receiving issues or whatever, and bad framing and all this sort of stuff. I really just want him getting work in the outfield. Cause I think that's where he's going to be a lot for the next year or two, become a better left fielder, become a better right fielder. And then eventually in, a, in two or three years, if your catching has gotten better, maybe then you become our number one when Salvador Perez is ready to transition to DHing full time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I agree with that be- because of the struggles he's had in the outfield. I feel like that needs to be where we focus on him moving forward. There's still open spots there, you know, we know we have Salvador Perez for next year. We know he's going to still be the best defensive option for us there next year. Get him time in the outfield. Get him to where you can be a reliable left fielder, reliable right fielder. And then, like you said, give him those opportunities to continue working. You may It may come to a situation where he doesn't become your full-time catcher until there's robot umps, and then, bam, you've just solved one of his largest problems. Yeah, so, you have. Boom. Yeah, I think I think that's the case. I think that's what you would I would do if I were them. And then make him a really good left fielder until then. And then, you know, you got options. Maybe you have another guy coming up through your system who's a really good defensive catcher, but maybe not great with the bat. And you're like, well, I'd rather have him catch and then put Melendez in left field. If Melendez can be an above average left fielder, which his athleticism and his arm says he's got the tools for it. Maybe he doesn't read balls well enough yet. He doesn't. But, you know, give him time. Give him practice. And maybe yeah, get that's there. a skill. You got to you gotta get a lot of reps at that. I mean, exactly. And that actually leads perfectly into my theme for this week because there's so much to learn, right? This last few weeks, you know, we're all transitioning into chief season. We're like, all right, though, it's, a, it's been a hard slog watching this team this year. But you know what? This is actually a really interesting time because it, there is so much for them to learn. There's so much for the young hitters to learn, so much for the young pitchers to learn. Now's the time to get that learning done. For Melendez, it's playing the outfield. For Drew Waters, it's it's uh, his approach at the plate. You know, for Kyle Isbell, it's his approach at the plate and things like that. There's a lot to learn in these next four weeks. I'm hoping that they're ready to start doing that learning because the next four weeks will determine how well they can get off to a start next year, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm interested to see guys like Nick Prado and how how much contact he's making in this next month and. And is Salvador Perez able to stay healthy for this last month? That's going to be really important. Really, my, that's my biggest thing. My theme for the week is fingers crossed. Because in this last month, I don't want to see any major injuries from Brady Singer to start. That's, I think, the most important one. Oh, that's and then huge. After, 
After that, it's can Salvador Perez stay healthy? Can Bobby Witt Jr. stay healthy? Can MJ Melendez stay healthy? And so uh, just stay healthy. No injuries, no major injuries in these last uh, last few weeks. And I think if that happens, then they do get the work that they need. And so it'll, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm really looking at some very specific um, uh, indicators and things moving on for this last month. It's really, really, really important to us that you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps more people find the show and lets us know we're doing something right and you want us to produce more content. Plus, Mike gets all of his self-esteem from our subscriber numbers, so help him feel better about himself and smash that subscribe button. It's free, it takes about half a second, but it does us a world of good. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. We're on all the social medias that we care to be on anyway. Uh, we post a ton of additional content on there, a ton of analysis so every day. So interact with us on there. We love to sort of interact with people. Make sure you're connecting with us on the social medias. For this week's Spotlight segment, we turned the spotlight to you, the Weekly Weirdos. For our second ever mailbag, we put out the call for questions and we'll spend the next few minutes discussing the things that you care about, the stuff that you send in to us for questions. So thank you to everyone who submitted a question. We really appreciate it. We're going to dive right into them so we can make sure to get through as many as we possibly can. Uh, we got quite a few, so let's let's just dive in. Question one comes from a weekly weirdo with a Twitter handle, Marty Jones. Marty asks, what are the chances that the Royals trade a couple of young bats for a starting pitcher sometime before next season, I assume? Like, what do you peg the chances of that happening at? I think it's really low. I think it's 10%. And honestly, I, I kind of agree with that. I don't, I don't want them to trade young bats for starting pitching. I think they have the money to go buy starting pitching. So I wouldn't give up any sort of capital in that sense, uh, minor league capital, that is. Um, even if you're saying young bats that are at the major league level, the hard part with the young bats that are at the major league level is that they're probably right now more valuable to the Royals than they are on the open market until they prove a little bit more offensively at the major league level. So I don't know that, that there's a lot of, I think you're going to lose a lot of value trying to trade any one of those guys like a Michael Massey or like a, even some people think maybe Melendez because he's a catcher. We already have Salvi, things like that. Um, or Prado. There are a lot of teams, any, there are a lot of teams that aren't going to value his defense and won't even consider him a catcher. No. And, and, and with Prado, it's like, okay, he hasn't really proven anything at the major league level yet. And so it's like, he's going to be a little more valuable to the Royals than he is to. And another thing you have to just think overall, any guy who's controllable for, for six years is going to be very valuable to the Royals because we, we can't spend the free agent dollars that other teams can. So they're going to value the controllability a lot more than say a Yankees or a, a, a big market, a big money team. So I think it's really low. I would rather them see them go out and spend on some free agent starting pitching. That's going to be, I think a good class of free agent starting pitching. And so, yeah, I, it's low. I think the Royals number is low chances for doing that is low. And I would personally not do it either. Yeah, mine's pretty low, mostly for that reason that you said about the starting pitching class. It's pretty good. The free agent starting pitching class is pretty deep, and and they have the money to do it now. Like they need to save some money for contracts that they want. They're hoping to give Bobby Wood Jr., MJ Melendez, Nick Prado, Vinny Pasquantino. They'll need to save some money for that, but they don't have a ton on the books for the next couple of years. And so they need to be thinking in terms of we can go out and buy some short contract free agent guys for two or three years or even four years before guys like Witt and Singer and, you know, uh, Melendez and those guys become free agents, go out and get guys who can fill, who can do that. Th these are probably your tier two, tier three starting pitchers, but they should be buying those. Their farm system isn't set up right now, isn't deep enough right now to go out and trade for guys who you would really want. I would think, you know, like I put the, the chances a little higher than yours at 20%, but that's only because in the back of my mind, I think, well, they might trade a couple guys for like a, a guy who isn't a number one, they might go out and trade some for like the fifth guy in the Tampa Bay Rays rotation or something like that, you know, which would cost a couple of prospects, but wouldn't take guys like Nick Lofton or Tyler Gentry or Gavin Cross wouldn't take any of those guys, but maybe you could put together a package of guys like Hayden Dunhurst and Drew Parrish, Tucker, and a couple Bradley. other guys, Tucker Bradley and get the fifth starter from Tampa or something like that, you know, like a low ceiling guy, maybe they go out and do something like that. But I still put the odds at like 20% that they end up trading 
those for starting pitcher rather than just signing it. Cause I think that's the approach that they should and hopefully will take. Question two comes from one of my absolute favorite of the week, weekly weirdos, uh, a Twitter follower. Hey, we're not supposed Rupert. to play favorites. Hey, I play favorites. <laughs> Hell yeah, I play favorites. Some of you are mean to us on, on Twitter. <laughs> it's weird. You, you follow us, you listen to us, but you're like not nice about it. Um, this guy's super nice about it. I love this guy. His name is Rupert on Twitter. Uh, he asks, who is a dark horse to be a star player for the Royals moving forward? And then he throws out Tucker Bradley as a name. Is it, is it Tucker Bradley? I don't think it's Tucker Bradley. I don't think he has the power potential to really be, to have the profile of even an everyday starter in the major leagues. And so if you're not an everyday starter, you obviously can't be a star. But he, I think he could be a serviceable major leaguer, maybe as a platoon guy or something like that. But Mike, you have a guy who I think is somewhat similar to Tucker Bradley, but maybe with more power potential. Who do you think might be a, a dark horse to be a star for the Royals someday? Well, first, let me let me say about Tucker Bradley. I don't dislike Tucker Bradley. I think he's I like a Bradley. good prospect. I think his ceiling is probably an Andrew Benintendi. That's like his absolute, if everything worked out right. I think Tucker Bradley could be that. He's got a little bit more versatility than what he can play in the outfield, and he may not be as good as a left fielder, because although I don't think Benintendi is all that great in left field, a lot of other people think he's better than I do, but... He's that, I think he's that kind of a hitter. He, he, he hits, he won't hit for much power, but he's going to make a lot of contact with the ball. Um, the guy I'm talking about here is Tyler Gentry. And I don't think before this year, anybody would have even thought him as, as a dark horse to be a star, but I think he is that kind of dark horse guy because he's up to that power quite a bit this year. His double a line this year is pretty, pretty nice. Yeah, it's uh, great. <laughs> it's three twenty. Okay. For a batting average. 425 for his OBP and 553 for his slugging, which all leads to an OPS of 978. He is just crushing the damn thing. And if you'd asked me before this year, I mean, I knew who Tyler Gentry was because I watched that draft where we took him quite, quite closely, but I wasn't picking him out of that draft. I know that Um, he was, he has shocked me and you, you brought him up earlier this year. And, and I was like, what really that guy? And then I looked at his numbers like, holy crap, this guy is mashing. And so he's, he's my dark horse. Is he a dark? He's definitely a dark horse though. I don't think there's going to be a whole is. lot of people driving the Tyler Gentry train. Right. If it is people who are ty- driving the Tyler Gentry train, it'll be people who are like really in the know, like guys at Royals farm report and stuff like that. They might do it. I put him number one on my personal top 50 for the Royals, my midseason top 50 that I did for Royals farm report, because I'm very high on Tyler Gentry. Just number I think one. That hit- I, I don't know why I, I haven't read that yet. <laughs> Hey, you're my own brother and you're not. I know. I, I, What's going I'm on busy, here? man. I'm really you're busy. not busy. What do you have a kid or something? Get out of here. Um, anyway, I like Tyler Gentry a lot. He won't be a dark horse to me, but to the mainstream audience. Yeah, he'll be a dark horse because, you know, he's a third round pick. You never really heard of him. He's started minor leagues during the COVID times. So where everybody kind of got lost in the shuffle. And so, yeah, I think he's just a guy who has that kind of potential Will he hit that potential? I don't know. If everything works out, I think he's a big time hitter in major league baseball and a star who can like play for years as a Royal and be really good. Uh, we'll see if that ends up happening. Hope, hope it does. Cause I think he's got a lot of potential. The guy I chose for a dark horse is Carter Jensen. Um, like I said, people in the know might know who he is. People in the know might think he could be a star like the Royals farm report guys or us or whatever. But the general mainstream audience, the casuals, they're never going to know who Carter Jensen is, except for the fact that he comes from Kansas City and he's like a Kansas City guy. Um, his line in August, he's down in, in, in low A at Columbia right now, but he's only like 19 years old. He just turned 19. Just this turned 19, yeah. Yeah, this is technically his age 18 season. And in August so far, he's hitting 343 as, an, as a batting average, 506 on, on base and a 538 or 537 slugging with eight doubles, one home run, 22 walks, and only 12 strikeouts. The guy hits the ball harder than shit. And that's what's really going to make him sore. He's also a catcher, by the way, the most premium position there is. And so he's a dude who, ton of offensive potential. The The reports on his catching have gotten a lot better too, which is, which is encouraging. They're going real slow with him, which is what they should be doing. But if this guy continues to develop, look out. You know, you're talking not just good, superstar good. If, if, if he continues to develop as he has, you're saying they're going slow with him, but I mean, he's, he's an 18 year old playing. Yeah. Playing low a, he's going to be right. 19 years right. old playing high a next year because yeah, you so, can't keep him in. You can't keep him in low a after the, how he's done the second half of this year. I mean, right. When I say they're going slow, they, they were aggressive 
to assign him to Columbia this year, but they're not going to let him come up to Quad Cities this year. They're going to no, keep no. him in Columbia for the full season. When he goes to Quad Cities, unless he just completely destroys for the first month or two, they're probably going to keep him there the whole year too. The thing is, they're not going to be like, hey, you know, you had a hot three weeks in, in Quad Cities, go up to double A. That's a tough jump. They're going to go slow with him as a 19-year-old in Quad Cities next year, but he's proven that he belongs in Quad Cities next year. That's mm-hmm. insane. That's really hard to do. Um, so imagine this. They say that Columbia or, or low A is roughly the SEC in college baseball. Imagine a freshman goes to Florida or wherever. Or LSU up, where Carter Jensen or LSU, was going to where he was gonna go and puts <laughs> up this kind of stuff in their first year. That's crazy, right? Like, And so he would be a top five candidate after this season. Uh, he, p- people would be pegging him. Scouts would be pegging him as like, oh, this kid's going to be a top five pick in two years. If, you know, he had gone he'd to LSU and he had that kind of, yeah. So he's a guy who I pick as like, okay, this could be a dark horse superstar someday for the Royals. Rupert also threw in a question that was about you and me specifically. That was like, who's the bigger star, me or Mike? But I think that pretty much is obvious on its face. So we're yeah. not going to dig into that. I think, I think we all know. I think we know. I think we all know. I think we know. Uh, question three <laughs> comes from a good friend of ours, Jacob Milham, who runs the, the, um, Royals rundown podcast, a uh, great podcast put out by him and, um, his co-host. I can't think of his name right now for some reason. I want to say it's Mike Murphy, but I think that's the co-host on another podcast I listen to. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Anyway, um, he had a really fun, interesting question, which is give us your craziest Royals conspiracy theory as a guy who loves conspiracy theories, not as a believer in them, but who just finds them hilarious. Uh, I wanted to answer this one too. So Mike, give us your craziest Royals conspiracy theory. Okay. So I don't, I couldn't come up with one, but there's one that's very obvious that we talk that, you know, I don't know if we talk about it on podcasts much or in, we don't overtly talk about it. It's kind of like the thing you're not supposed to talk about because it'll piss somebody off. Exactly. It's going to piss piss somebody off. off. So, so of course let's, let's go ahead and talk about it here. Um, (laughs) What do we care? The obvious one is the Jesus connection, right? It's the fact that Dayton Moore uh, seemingly, if you connect some dots here, uh, won't sign guys unless they are Christian. And it's, and, two, it's like two dots. There's not a lot of dots, you know, it's like, and so, yeah. And so as we were like, and I just, I go back to draft day when, uh, we were, we were doing the, uh, live YouTube stream with uh, the guys from Rose farm and they took Gavin cross and immediately, you know, once we were kind of off air, we kind of talked, went over like, Oh, okay. Well, he certainly fills the bubble. For that, like check his Twitter bio or his Instagram bio. You're going to see follower of Christ, which is no, I, we have no problem with faith no here, with that. but it just, it seems like an odd way to run a baseball team. But uh, yeah, so the, the kind of conspiracy is they won't sign or, or draft anybody who isn't a pretty devout Christian. Um, so that's the obvious one, right? That's like, Hey, it's in our face. Like it's, it's quite, uh, quite obvious there, but um, no, I, I I couldn't really come up with any other ones like, Oh, you know, there's gotta be some sort of, I, I want to hear the conspiracy, the theory that says like, you know, Kyle Isbell never gets to play because he winked at Matheny's sister or something, you know, like, you know, like, <laughs> gotta be like 20 years older than him. Like, hey, you know, anyway. Isbell, you know, you know, you know, he got some going. dog in him. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> You said no, that. No, no, no. Uh, so here's what's crazy about royals and conspiracy theories, right? The craziest ones are the ones that are actually true. They're, they're right? all which true. is like, which is like they think Ryan O'Hearn belongs in the major leagues. That's the craziest <laughs> theory, right? Like, but that's true. Like the like, notion that they thought, they thought, like Dave, they thought Island was was a uh, was a freaking qualified pitching coach. <laughs> no, they couldn't not, have. They not did Island. Not Island, Eldred. No, sorry, not Eldred. My bad, Eldred. my bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eldred. Eldred, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> that's the, the notion that O'Hearn has pictures or dirt on somebody, that to me is almost more believable than the notion that they think he belongs in the major leagues. Though that is the true version, almost certainly, right? Like, it's just, that's what, that you can't really think in terms of conspiracy theories with the Royals, because everything is backwards and twisty-turvy. So I don't really know how to answer that one, but uh, it's good. it opened a great uh, dialogue. So thank you for that, Jacob. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, question four is really like a five parter from Jackson Purdue, one of our Twitter followers. Thank you for all the questions, Jackson. Really appreciate it. But uh, we got a lot of questions to answer from you here. So we're going to try and <laughs> rapid fire these. Uh, should sh- Who should Casey target in free agency? And is Brady Singer the team's ace of the future? Those were two he initially came with. But who should he target in free agency? We actually talked about that about two episodes ago. 
So go back and listen to that episode if you'd like some of them. Mike likes Carlos Rodon a lot as like a big splash free agent pick. I like Mike Clevenger, Chris Bassett, Sonny Gray, Nathan Ivaldi. Those are also the two second tier or the four second tier guys that I think we maybe could target. Um, I'm not really looking at position players because I looked at it and the class is really weak for the only position I think we would really need, and that's third base. I also looked at shortstop just in case we could shift Bobby to third or something. Not great there either. Dansby Swanson is out there, but I don't think we'll have the money to play in that in that game. Mike, what do you think about free agents? You'd like to target anything to add? Um, at the position player level, no, not really. Because I think, honestly, I think Michael Garcia is going to get a shot to play shortstop, and that would solve our third third base problem because Bobby would then slide to third. And then Nikki becomes your uh, utility guy, which I think is the best yeah. way for it to happen. Uh, but no, I, I wouldn't target anybody position player-wise. Even even like fourth outfielder, we got that covered. Um, we've got you know utility guy covered. If if it's Nicky, we've got catcher covered. The only thing we really need to look at is starting rotation. All of our resources should be put in that starting rotation. You can either do it like I said, one big splash guy in Rodon. I do like the idea of. I actually like it better. The idea of getting uh, two second tier or third tier guys um, because I think you need more depth in that starting rotation as well. So. And some of those guys are going to be cheaper than you would imagine. I think I think Clevenger is going to be cheaper than people imagine, and I think I would go out and give him a shot for sure. He's just I like him. There's the John Sherman connection. He played in, in Cleveland. Sherman is our owner now. I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Mike Clevenger does. If that actually happens, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a victory lap on this podcast. Um, so yeah, those are the, some of the free agents that we're interested in. Is Brady Singer the team's ace of the future? Mike and I both don't like the term ace very much. It's not very descriptive. I think Mike thinks there's only like a handful of those ace type guys. Four, five, maybe. Four or five of those ace players that you would say are ace pitchers. I think he's the Royals number one right now. Like, I think that's indisputable at this point. And I think he'll be the number one moving forward because I think he's found that consistency. But I don't, I don't, I don't think he quite rises to the level of what we would call a major league ace. I don't think he's as sure and consistent as, as a Scherzer in his prime as a Verlander right now, even. And so I think he's really, really, really good. I think he's the Royals number one right now, but I don't think he's an ace as we would think of that. Now, if he develops that pitch or the, the changeup into a major league average pitch or even maybe slightly better then maybe you're talking about a guy who can be an ace type guy, like a guy that, you know, I, I think when I laid him out for with, with Joel Penfield, I was like Kershaw, Verlander, Scherzer, uh, obviously uh, the guy with the Mets that throws 800 million miles an hour. DeGrom. Yes, thank you. Um, maybe Shohei, you know, but that's it. Like there's not a whole lot of them. But if he takes that change up to the next level, yeah, you're, you're mentioning him at that level with those guys. And some of those guys are kind of aging. So there's going to be another, you know, what's his name? Alcantara. Uh, he'll, he'll be in that next wave and, you know, just that, that next group that's going to be there, that kid from the reds, a uh, real young kid, um, Hunter, Hunter green. green. Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, he may end up being in kind of that next wave of guys that you consider an ace, but it's going to take a step forward from that changeup to do it. Yeah. Uh, Jackson threw out another question there. It says also your thoughts on Daniel Lynch. Has he peaked as a four or five starter? I'm going to go out and say, no, I don't think he has but they got to get somebody else in there to work with him. They, the, his potential is higher. I think he's a solid number three at his peak, but not with Cal Eldred leading the show. They have to maximize some more of his pitches and they have to get uh, the right pitch mix in place. And they have to up his command just as Singer has upped his. And so a step forward in those directions. And I think he's a number three and I think he can take that step, but, but I don't think he's taking that step with Cal Eldred. Yeah, I agree. One of the things I think that needs to be worked on with him is mechanics consistency. I think that sometimes throws off his command. Guys that are that gangly and that tall can sometimes have some trouble with consistent mechanics. That's just how it goes. So when you watch him, I mean, early in the year, he was he had our best strikeout numbers. You can't say a guy that was that good in his strikeout numbers. He had one of the best sliders in baseball for a while. Mm-hmm. You can't say that his peak is a four or five, I don't think. But right now it kind of looks like it is because... Yeah. He hasn't had anybody consistently work with him that's any good at anything. So get him with somebody who can help develop him, consist, get some consistency in that command or the mechanics. And I think you have a guy that could even peak higher than three for me. I think he might be a nice two to a Brady Singer's one, but it's going to take some development. Um, and yeah, I would like to see that very much because I think he's got the potential. He spins it. He throws it hard. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. And so uh, we'll go with our last question here. It's from Jordan Foote, good friend of ours. He's the editor of uh, Inside the Royals. He also participates in the sort of Royals podcast universe, guesting on. We should have him on this show, honestly. We really should. Yeah. Uh, he's also is it is he a Northwest alum? Or, no, he, he's that. somewhere in the MIAA. He went oh, to. Okay. Uh, All right, I'm wrong I can't remember Emporia or Washburn or something. Like that. Sorry, it's, uh, I was thinking of Tucker. Maybe. He wishes. Um, but yeah, he, he wishes. wishes he was a Bearcat. Anyway, <laughs> question five, and this will be our final one. Comes from Jordan Foot. It says, "Way too early record prediction for 2023." I'm gonna let you go first. I'm going 74 and 88 because I'm not entirely confident that the Royals are going to go out and spend money on that starting pitching. I really, really hope they do. If they do that, if they go out and they get two solid proven pitchers that you feel like can stay healthy. I think this is, you can throw this number in the trash, but 74 and 88 is where I think it's going to end up. Cause I don't see them doing that. And so, yeah, that's where it's going to end up being. I think, I think we do see the offense take a step forward next year, but I could see a scenario where the starting pitching is the same pretty much as it is right now. So, and the bullpen, I don't, you never know with the bullpen, but it's been bad and I don't really see an avenue for it getting any better either. And you look in the minors, it doesn't really, other than maybe uh web, Nathan Webb, other than that, I don't know that there's a guy who's even close to ready in the bullpen. That's going to make a difference. So yeah. unless Gabe Spire's hiding down there somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, or he could be in the Mojave or yeah, in Alaska, knows? we just don't who know. Knows? Who knows? Okay. He, maybe he's leading an expedition somewhere. I don't know. Um, yeah. But you're right about that. And, and, but here's the thing. I think with if you're if we're like okay they're going to be the exact same as they are right now, they I mean they've been basically 500 for the last two months right like since since all the young guys have come up and since Singer has sort of had his turnaround they've been basically 500 right now maybe a couple games under or something like that that's why I'm going for 78 and 84 as a record for for next year I think they'll be roughly where we thought they would be this year except I think they will make changes I think I think they're definitely going to try and make a bullpen that's better than this year. I think, I think Stamont being as bad as he's been has really wrecked them. I think they, they weren't anticipating that Deekman completely falling off the earth and, and getting hurt. They didn't expect that. Not, not Deekman. Deekman. Brents. Sorry. Let yeah. these lefties Brents. I mean, they didn't expect Brents and, to fall. And off Amir the Garrett. They didn't expect him to be a, they didn't a, expect Amir you know. Garrett to be really, really bad for an entire half of the season. So there were just a lot of things that they didn't expect that went against them. And none of those starting pitchers took any steps forward for most of this first half. And so I think they were just waiting on a lot of things and those didn't show up for about a half a season. Um, and then the bullpen's just been a lot worse than they expected. I think they will go out and do some things to try and shore up the bullpen. It'll be mostly reclamation projects, guys they can get off the scrap heap. But even that I think will be somewhat better than what they've got going on right now. And so I'm going 78 and 84 as my record for 2023. I think if that happens, we'll say, hey, they're taking at least a small step forward. After an off day on Monday, the Royals hit the road for some division play against the chronically disappointing Chicago White Sox. <laughs> and We've been team, kicking their ass lately, by the way. They've been <laughs> kicking their own ass lately yeah, and the true. whole season. They're like two games under 500. They're terrible. Uh, anyway, you know, keep hanging in there with Larusa. He's got he's got the answers. Uh, yeah. And and then we'll after we take on them on for three games, we'll to, we'll take on a I don't know a Tigers team that looks like they're rebuilding their rebuild if that makes sense. They're like, ah, <laughs> this rebuild isn't working starting over again. <laughs> uh, and so uh, that's the Detroit Tigers. We'll head there after, after we face the White Sox. Mike, tell us about the Sox, a team. It seems like we play every other day. I know we've played them so much in the last month and a half or two months. Uh, they are 63 and 65. One of the largest disappointments in baseball, probably third in the AL central. They are six games back from a wild card. Even at this point, they have so much talent. And a guy that is a battling for a Cy Young, and it's just not been good. Uh, Tuesday, we'll get Singer versus Lucas Giolito, who's been one of the biggest disappointments in their starting rotation. Uh, 28-year-old righty, he's got a 5.14 ERA. This is a guy who was battling for a Cy Young a couple years ago. 1.5 whip, a fastball that's 93, a changeup that used to be top level, but he doesn't like to throw anymore, a slider, and a curveball. Um, his velocity's down a little bit. Um, but he's had some bad luck. His expected batting average against is much lower than his batting average against. Um, but yeah, he's been hit up and the Royals have been able to touch him up a little bit too. In that second game, it'll be Chris Bubich versus Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, the 35 year old right-hander has a five ERA with a 1.19 whip. Doesn't throw nearly as hard as he used to at about 93 for his fastball. He also has the cutter curveball slider and change uh, more than 80% of the time he's throwing fastball or cutter. 
And then the third game, we don't have a Royals pitcher yet for that one, but it looks like they're going against Johnny Cueto, who's another interesting dude who's going to be in this free agent class coming up. Uh, it doesn't seem like he ever ages. He's 36 years old, right-handed pitcher, but he's got a 2.98 ERA and a 1.17 whip. Throwing in the you know low 90s at this point, but change-up slider cutter. His slowest, uh, the lowest K percentage of his career because he's getting old, but he uh, he still gets it done. To be honest with you, so like if you get you know say a, a top of that second tier and you're looking for another guy to throw you innings, Johnny Cueto's still out there, so he's an interesting guy in my mind. And there's a good chance you could maybe get him for just a one year deal. Like if Granky decides yeah. to hang him up, he could be your Granky of 2023. Except mm-hmm. he might be even better. His strikeout rate's only like fifteen percent right now. But hey, he's he's getting it done to some degree. And then put him in Kauffman Stadium, it's gonna be even better. So yeah. we'll see uh, we'll see on Cueto. He could be a real cheap one year option. Uh, after the White Sox, they're gonna head to Detroit, which get healthy, boys. Get, get whole. Go out there and just run rough shot over them. They're terrible. And you get three games against them. So take advantage. They are last in the AL Central. Um this is what would happen if a dumpster fire swallowed a shit sandwich shop. I think like if there were such a thing, it's just awful in Detroit right now. So bad. And now, so, and now so they're bad. talking about dealing some of the only guys who have been good. For I them. know this is what I'm talking <laughs> about. Like rebuild, start it over, start it all over again. They um, mentioned trading Scooble. I know. And he's like the only, and he's, he's on the 60 day right now, but he's uh, like one of the only pitchers they have who's effective. And so Mize should line, be coming off soon, but yeah, he'll be, but you know, he's got time to get back, but uh, the lineup is atrocious. They have one guy with an OPS plus over 100. That's Victor Reyes. And he's got a one Oh two OPS plus uh, <laughs> Torkelson, Spencer Torkelson, their big time prospect has been really bad uh, so far this year. Riley green, their other big prospect has been decent. You think he's got a 98 OPS plus, but it's just been bad up and down the lineup. The ghost of Miguel Cabrera is still playing, but he's out there just running it out every day. I think he's got an 80, 84 OPS plus. Just that they, their fealty to him is not helping their team. Their rotation is very injured, and the guys who were injured were their only decent ones, so they're very ineffective as well. It's Tariq Skubal and Bo Brisky who are on the 60-day injured list. Skubal had like an ERA under three when he went when he went on it. Brisky had a low four ERA. That's decent. Um, so they're just wrecked by injury and ineffectiveness. Not even interested in winning right now. It's a real, real sad thing. So let's go in there and crush them. <laughs> is what I'm that's saying. what I'm saying. Go in yeah, there and crush them. That's what it's a, it's a chance. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just About Outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, you are not an interesting person, but I'm sure you've done some stuff this week. Tell us what's interesting to you outside the world of baseball. Well, Friday Night Lights, baby. Got to Friday Night Lights. And boys is having a time of their lives out there. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't start uh, with that. <laughs> um, so I went out to the, the football game on Friday night, and I just wanted to celebrate the fact that high school football is back in the state of Missouri. I think Kansas kicks off week one next week. I think they're a week behind us. But, um, yeah, it was fun. I went to the uh, Lee Summit North, Liberty North game, one of the biggest games in the Metro week one. It was so crowded. People were hopping the curb to park in grassy areas like that were very clearly not for parking. I had to drive up a sidewalk to get a place to park. And then when I left, I had to like go around this uh, monument that they have out in front of the school. (laughs) I had to drive around it to get back to the, the sidewalk I drove up on. Um, It was insane. It was a good game, you know, Uh, Liberty North uh, pulled it out, but uh, it's, it was just fun to be out there again, you know, to have, all the stuff going on and, and to watch some high school football. So uh, that's, and especially if you live in one of these towns, that's a little smaller and around the Metro area, but, or in the Metro area, you know, sometimes that's the, the, the entertainment for a Friday night. So mm-hmm. it was a big deal in our hometown as, as kids. And, and I like, uh, I like Friday night lights. I really do. Yep. Let's not, I mean, we might just, might as well just bring it up. I mean, we're starting an eighth grade football dynasty at East Trails Middle School, so we might as well bring it up. It's, you know, it's going to happen. You know, middle schools are kicking off soon too, so. That's true. Um, they are. <laughs> actually, this ties in, like, uh, the, the, my, uh, just a bit outside of this week is you never learn as much about a thing as when you teach it. I had this mentor, uh, many years back who sadly passed away, but he's a really great dude, really smart dude named Roger Kirschbaum. And he, um, once told me as I was sort of worried about teaching writing to people, he goes, listen, 
the cool thing is you'll never learn as much about a subject as when you teach it. So you're about to learn a lot about writing. And I was like, that's cool. That's a cool thing. But it proved to be 100% true. I have learned so much in my time as a teacher of writing. But recently, my brother has been nice enough to allow me to volunteer football coach on his uh, middle school football team that he coaches. And so I've been actually learning a ton about football and about the coaching of it just by doing that. Right. And so, uh, I love this notion. So if you're interested in like, Oh, I'd like to learn more about this. Put yourself in a position where you have to teach it, you know, do it informally. You should be qualified if you're going to teach something in like a school or something like that. But like, but if you're what like, are you doing? Oh, teaching I, open yeah. heart surgery. Yeah. Learn by <laughs> doing. Do Here we learn go. Learn by doing. <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, but you know, the thing is, if, if you're like, I want to learn more about art, teach art to your kid. You know, I want to learn more about woodworking, teach woodworking to, you know, somebody, your, your spouse, your partner, you know, like put yourself in a position where you have to teach something. Or like, if you're fairly well knowledge on a subject, then put yourself in a position to teach it. You'll learn even more about it. You know, it's, it's one of those things that uh, teaching uh, forces us to sort of think more about the thing and think about how we communicate about the thing. And that just puts us in a great position to learn more. And it's, it's one of those things that if I had never become a teacher, I wouldn't know nearly as much as I do about language and writing and, and, and arguments and things like that. And so I highly encourage you to, uh, to put yourself in those positions or while you're teaching, maybe just think about how much you're learning as part of that process. I think that's, that's important. Something with that as well. When I first started teaching middle school, I had to teach uh, an ancient world history class and I hadn't taken world history classes since like my freshman and sophomore year of college. And so I had to go back and like learn it. And so I was like learning while I was teaching it, but that actually grew an interest in ancient history that I had never had. I had never been interested in it. Didn't really like it. I liked American history. I liked modern, uh, modern American or modern European history, but I hated ancient history. And then when I started teaching it, I started to develop a real like for it, a real passion for it. And so I went back and started learning about all that stuff that I had really just kind of blanked on for a long time. So that was cool. Yeah. So get out there, learn, teach. It'll be really uh, developing, really a lot of growth for you if you get a shot with that. Another thing that will give you a lot of growth is if you watch more Royals baseball, listen to more Royals Weekly, go out and subscribe, rate and review us on YouTube and Apple Podcasts and all those sorts of things. We really, really hope you do. We really appreciate it when you leave us reviews. Uh, Until then, uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, be good to each other. And go Royals!